right, so uh, we're going to be continuing our study in Second Peter as we're quickly approaching the the end of Second Peter, and um, so um, I, I I don't I'm pretty transparent guy. I try to be transparent, and Manning and I have been watching Stranger Things. I don't know if anybody else has been following the Stranger Things. I was apprehensive because it's kind of you know, otherworldly, you know, the other dimension beasts and things. And, you know, I'm not digging all that. But for those of you who've seen it, it is set in the 80s. And the kids in the show are right about the age I was in the 80s. And so it's been kind of neat to, uh, to I guess I'll go with reminisce. Um, I'm sorry. So they've got it right. So so far, I felt like they've 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 done a pretty good job of representing the tone of the '80s. And and uh, matter of fact, we were watching an episode. I think it was this week, and there was a moment where the house was, sh- you know, shaking or rattling because the monster was coming, and the dishes in the kitchen they showed, you know, were rattling, and it's the exact same dishes my mom had, and still, you know, my dad has in his uh, in his kitchen now. Uh, so uh, the exact same exact same one so that was kind of uh, kind of neat and I told him to rewind it and he, I'm like does this look familiar he's like yeah grandmother and grandpa have those so um, but there was an episode in season two so so he had watched them over time and I'm kind of catching up and and so there was an episode in season two we watched a few weeks ago <clears throat> and Manning said this episode he, before he's like this episode kind of seems pointless to me I don't get why this episode was was uh, was in it, and I I told him that that there's sometimes that there's episodes or portions of a movie or portions of a story that are either for character development or plot development, and I suspected that that's what it was, and in fact, it was kind of an important component in the overall season because had that event not happened other events maybe wouldn't have been able to happen the way they did but um, you know those those plot development or character development episodes or times in a movie aren't necessarily terribly flashy I mean Manning thought it was kind of disappointed it was like what's the point and I'm going to be honest with you today's lesson I feel like is a plot development lesson it's not necessarily flashy it's not necessarily going to be the thing that you're going to say, man, I remember when God showed me Second Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Like, probably not. I would even liken it, if this was a meal, not to the nice filet, but to the garlic mashed potatoes that come with it. Like, you, you feel like you got to have the garlic mashed potatoes if you go to a, you gotta go have a nice filet at a steak place, right? So today, it's, but, but you know, you could, you could, I don't mean this bad, but you could live without the mashed potatoes but it adds something to the meal it adds some some you know it's substance right um so as we approach the end of of second peter i guess you could say he's bringing it in for a landing he's he's making sure some points are laid out and at the beginning of the book we were reminded how to live to be fruitful i don't know if you remember that uh but that we were given some very specific steps and things that we needed to invest in and build in our lives uh so that we could we could be fruitful uh things that we need to develop but in the middle we were kind of told about the things that would attack our faith and that would be going on around us and and now this passage before us we're encouraged not to lose sight of the end days and the coming of our Lord. And it really is within that context. It is within that backdrop. 
I mean, honestly, I'd rather be speaking about the day is unto the Lord is a thousand years and, and all the things that are kind of coming to fruition and how Second Peter is coming to life relative to the times that we live in. But Peter thought it important to include this in at least the last few verses of, second, or of, his, of his second epistle here because clearly it's important. And so uh, this passage is actually set off by paragraph marks. And uh, as, I, as I go through an expository uh, or in pre- preparing for expository preaching and teaching, uh, paragraph marks are pretty important. Uh, they, set off a, uh, they set off a concept or, or, or a phrase. And, and I probably, <laughs> big surprise, I'm not God, I probably wouldn't have set those off with the paragraph marks the way that, that God did. Um, but I do think Peter and the Lord is, is communicating these somewhat three different concepts together for a purpose and um, since we're looking um, we're looking for this coming we're looking for the Lord we're watching for him we need these three uh, verses how to live basically how to suffer long and how to approach hard times of teachings uh, together and it's again honestly I'm just I try to be transparent a little weird if you ask me and I and I struggled a little bit this week as I was preparing because I thought maybe I just needed to focus on one verse each week uh, and actually started down that path and the Lord I believe shut the door so we're gonna batch these three verses together um, and, and and I guess I'm gonna ask you uh, imagine if you found out you know you had some problems you go to the ER tomorrow they do some scans Oh my gosh, you've got cancer is riddled through your body and you've got two months to live. Um, and you're a parent. You know, many of the folks in here are parents uh, or are parents. Some are not. Uh, but, but you're a parent and you want to communicate something to your kids. I remember years ago, and I, some of you may remember the movie, Michael Keaton was a guy that was dying. And this was kind of when, when video cameras were kind of somewhat new so I mean it's probably back in the the 80s or early 90s and he videoed a series of lessons to his kid that because his wife was pregnant he knew he wasn't going to live to see his child born or certainly have a time to invest in his kid so he videoed things including like how to shave because he wanted to teach his kid things from you know beyond his his life his his physical lifespan and i think peter's kind of doing the same thing here and i just i'd ask you again with this concept context if you had to teach your kids something beyond your your last communication with them it might be something like live your values be patient with the people in the process you know life's a journey not a you know marathon not a sprint right uh, you might say this is how you get through the hard times you know these kind of ethereal things that maybe apply to multiple situations in life not just how here's to shave or here's how to drive although maybe that's important but you might try to communicate things that could com- that could be applied in multiple situations right and i believe that's what that's what uh, what peter's doing here in second peter 3 so our passage is wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things, the passages we looked at before, looking for the coming of Christ, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. 
as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. So this first first passage that I that I want to look at is is really in verse or first uh, is is verse fourteen. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Now this is a little bit different than Sam was talking about today. I, I will admit that I had to take a a little break from the message and make some notes because he was talking about being found in him not necessarily found of him and you know if you look at, at you know second corinthians 5:17 if any man be in christ that that was kind of the one of the points that sam uh, was talking about today being found in christ and this is this is a little bit different found of him uh, in peace without spot and blameless and i've described this as a three-legged stool and i probably should have thrown a picture up there but if you can imagine a three-legged stool all three legs are important you lose one leg you're going to fall over right you've probably heard that illustration multiple times so the perspective of being found is not outward or is outward not upward and what i mean by that is found of him in peace and and so 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 this is about others this is even even to to some degree christ finding us in peace without spot and blameless this is not about our salvation this is about how we live our our, our salvation it's the outward manifestation if you will of our internal faith for if we are in him we are these things already we already have access to 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 peace we have access to being spotless and we have access to being blameless right um, obviously when you contrast a verse like this and i'm i'm just going to back up just for sake of clarity here seeing that you look for such things be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless some people would like to apply that that diligence that you need to apply is working uh, works-based salvation and that's not what Peter's talking about here uh, that diligence yes diligence is effort but diligence is not the, the the process of salvation it's the really the process that Sam talked about the process of sanctification uh, today so when you you come across a verse like this that maybe kind of isn't abundantly clear how it applies you you really do need to compare scripture to scripture and ephesians chapter 2 is in you know eight and nine very very clear verse that you know that that salvation is not of our works so being diligent cannot apply to my salvation proper it's that we may be found of him in this peace okay um so uh, it's interesting because when you look at, so I'll go back to my slide here. When you look at things that come in threes in scripture, this is a principle, not a rule. Principle of Bible study, but not a rule of Bible study, okay? When you find things in threes, most of the time they are outward appearance concepts, okay? Most of the time. Now this is actually where I started the study this week because I thought I was just gonna camp on this verse and I was trying to pull out some, can you see, Jamie? Uh, pull out some of the three three concepts. So, so I pulled out a couple from first or from Peter. Both of them happen to be from First Peter. But I also pulled a couple out from Paul's writings because of some of the things that that uh, Peter says about Paul's writings here. But um, 
he specifically says, actually, I do want to pull that back up. So he specifically references um, an, an account, the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. This is verse 15. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto, unto him, hath written unto you. So Peter is, is basically saying, hey, this is not news. Paul has been saying these things to you as well, and we'll dive into to that more. But I wanted to pull some of Paul's examples out as well. So look at 1 Peter 1.13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. So these things are outward manifestations, okay? Now, there are things that you need to do inward. You need to gird up the loins of, loins of your minds. You need to be sober, and you need to hope to the end. But if you do those things, they will have an outward manifestation. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So even in this principle, <coughs> a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, there's an external application to the three-legged stool that is an elder, a witness, and a partaker of the glory. Okay, So I hope that's tracking. In Paul's examples, uh, both happen to be in Titus chapter 2 that I pulled out, teaching us that, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, another three-legged stool, in this present world. Sober, righteous, and godly. Yes, they are internal, but they create an external manifestation. And then Ch Titus chapter 2 and verse 15, these things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Again, outward manifestation. Now it has to be an outward manifestation of good stuff that's inside, which is also in Titus chapter 2. But these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. So I challenge you, I, I try to put some Bible study principles out in, in the lessons as I teach them, but this is one of them. If you see a threefold, uh, again, it's a principle, not a hard, fast rule. If you see a principle of threefold, it's almost always an out, outward manifestation. So it's about, in the end times, having a faith that is a three-legged stool that creates a situation that reflects outwardly. But also, what's really cool about this, and this is not at all going to come as a surprise, at least I don't think it'll come as a surprise, these are reflections of Christ himself. Christ is peace. Christ is without spot, and Christ is blameless. Kind of duh, since we are little Christ, if we're going to live the Christian life outwardly reflecting Christ, it's going to be these concepts will, will reflect. But, but look at this, peace, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace himself. So literally, Paul references in 2 Thessalonians that Christ is, or God is the Lord of peace. He's without spot. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is 1 Peter 1, 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That was a big deal in the Old Testament sacrifice. They couldn't be, the, the, the lambs, the the sacrifice could not have spot and <clears throat> I don't know if you've had an opportunity I don't know if you're animal people if you 
have dogs or cats or 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 maybe some of you maybe even grew up on farm or have I don't I'm just I don't think anybody here that I know of has like chickens and goats kind of thing but uh, do you have chickens and goats? you did not have chickens and goats I did not think you were a a, a, a barnyard kind of person there Jamie you've had them but but they're unfortunately because sin has entered the world animals and people are born with spot they're born with blemish right and that is a problem when it comes to sacrifice. And that is a, a picture of the Old Testament. You couldn't sacrifice something that had a lame leg or that, you know, had, you know, its fur didn't develop right. Or, and you've probably noticed, had a big spot on its forehead in the shape of a heart, right? You can't, you can't sacrifice. You're just now seeing it, aren't you? Uh, you can't sacrifice something that has a spot, that has a blemish. That's not okay. It requires a perfect sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, which obviously the blood of, of, of animals, of, of, of goats can only take it so far, right? So that's why we needed the precious blood of Christ without blemish and without spot. And then blameless. First Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless, look at this, under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what's he going to do? He's going to be blameless, right? So these are reflections of Christ. Now, I've added this, this little, this, is, this does not cost any extra, okay, today. You're going to get this as a bonus. Wait, there's more, and it's free. All right, blamelessness... I want you to be very careful because blamelessness is something that is required of pastors and elders. It's required of somebody that's really sanctified and wants to serve the Lord, right? You guys with me in other passages? We can go there if we need. But blameless. Blameless is a temporary state. So I could be blameless today, but, quote, mess up tomorrow and not be blameless. But if I reconcile that thing... I'm then again blameless, okay? And I realize that's a, that's a little different than peace. I mean, obviously peace kind of comes and goes, but not with Christ. Uh, without spot, uh, it, you know, it's kind of once and for all in our inner sin covering. But, but my point here is look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, right? So Paul is talking about the interactions that they had around the council in, uh, in Jerusalem and, and in advance of the Jews, right? Or I'm sorry, the Gentiles being saved. It, he was to be blamed. And I've got the whole, uh, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. So I think it's interesting that even Peter talks about being blameless, but at one point in Peter's mature walk, there was a point where he was to be blamed according to Paul. We, that's not like some footnote in Scripture. Paul memorializes that at one point in Peter's ministry, he was not blameless. Double negative alert, okay? So he was to be blamed for something. But that doesn't eliminate someone for ministry for all time, okay? Otherwise, you literally would have to be perfect, and even to some degree, perfect through the way people perceive you, right? Because sometimes you can be blamed for doing the right thing, but it looking like the wrong thing, okay? 
uh, I think we experienced that today. Somebody poured a little creamer in their coffee, but it looked like somebody needed something else, right? So, but, so, so that concept of blamelessness is a temporary and a, a, what I would call a current or concurrent event. And it can go away like that, but it also has the opportunity to be reconciled or restored. So again, it's a perspective of Christ's nature, this, the, these three, um, three aspects. Does that make sense about, about uh, found, being found blameless at least? Okay, good. All right, so that, that brings us to our next point. The second concept really, the first being the three-legged stool, and the second really being this, this concept of the long-suffering of Christ. Now, I put up here that it's an accepted component of salvation. It's accepted component of salvation. And <clears throat> long-suffering is a little bit hard to describe other than to just invert the word and say suffering long. Okay, That is probably the best definition. It is a little different than patience. Patience is with kind of withholding like your own angst and frustration about something, right? When you're patient, you're not exuding frustration, right? Long-suffering is a little different. Long-suffering means that someone else is doing you wrong, okay? And generally, in today's vernacular, we overlap that. If somebody's speaking to me unreasonably, people would say, you just need to be patient with them. Like if my kids are being, un, you know, somewhat unruly or, or speaking back, people will say, well, just, you just got to be patient with your kids. Technically, I need to be long-suffering, okay? Now, I'm not trying to get into a parenting lesson, but my point is patience is what would well up inside of me that I withhold, but long-suffering is not responding to the things that come at me. I'm suffering long, Okay. Look at Romans, um, well, and back to, back to uh, if, if you're in 2 Peter uh, chapter, chapter 3, if you still have your, your, uh, your scripture there. Uh, but he says, uh, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Okay? So I want to talk about that for just a second. But within this context of look, look at what he, and this, this is really cool. There's not a lot of places in scripture where scripture is literally referenced Itself. I mean, there's Jesus talks about the Old Testament, but you have a, an epistle from Peter, and he's talking about Paul's epistles to them as well. Like, that's pretty cool, because the concepts are the same, okay? And he says, uh, And even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So I wanted to pull out the exact same concept that Peter is talking about, because Paul has evidently talked about it, according to Peter's letter. So there are two primary references for this. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, so his being Christ, and not knowing that the goodness of the of God leadeth to repentance. So literally the forbearance and long suffering of Christ is part of leading to re us to repentance. So we have done Christ wrong. And I did him wrong for 18 years of my life, 17 years of my life before I can't remember how old I was when I got saved. I know it was 1988, but I always have to do the math. I was almost 18. So 17 and three quarters years of my life, I had done Jesus wrong. But what was he? Long-suffering. 
He wasn't patient in this context, doctrinally. He was long-suffering in that the things that I did to him, the additional sins that I piled on him on the cross, he was willing to suffer long. Not And, and the, again, the question here in Romans chapter 2 is around people not perceiving that, right? Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. That that I came to the realization that my sin was was literally born by Christ. And then another letter that Paul writes, 1 Timothy 1.16, How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering. So first Christ was longsuffering for a pattern of to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So because Christ was long-suffering to Paul, the guy on the road to Damascus that was killing Christians, right, that's long-suffering of Christ, that he was willing to take, Christ was willing to bear that sin and be, quote, patient in our current vernacular, long-suffering to Paul, for a pattern to them which should thereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So literally these, I believe, these are at least the recorded scriptures, the ones that became, uh, or recorded letters that became canon, that became scriptures, that Peter is talking about. Because Peter's saying the long suffering that we're talking about, Paul has spoken of. Okay? Now, the other thing is, Probably First Peter was written. Check this out. First Peter was probably, or First Peter, First Timothy was probably written in the 64-65 AD time frame. Okay, probably written in the 64-65 AD time frame. The second epistle that Peter wrote was written in the 65-66 time frame. So within the months or short period of time. These letters are getting circulated. These concepts are being preached on. These concepts are being talked about. And Peter references something that Paul was contemporaneously or recently discussing. It wouldn't be too much different for those of you who went to all church uh, retreat. If as, you know, as the fall unfolds and Sam finishes up Philippians and he goes over to the book of Exodus and starts preaching in the book of Exodus or something and he says, well remember when Mark Trotter spoke on the tabernacle? Like it's literally that's happening with Peter and Paul and the people that are receiving these letters and personally, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. It shows the the network that these men and many others were working together. These were not siloed events. These principles were orchestrated by the by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so those are two examples. But um, now, just so it's an accepted component of salvation. Again, uh, a couple additional thoughts here: preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke or reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So it's interesting that all of these things that we, you know, I think sometimes we kind of throw around this First Timothy uh, 4.2, you know, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. You know, reprove, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort. But we don't necessarily do the long-suffering part. We definitely like talking about the doctrine part. I know from my spiritual lineage, we really like talking about the doctrine part. Really like talking about the doctrine part. But if you crossed somebody, 
they would dismiss you because it was all about control. They didn't literally didn't do this part. I mean, the one thing you need to have when you disciple someone, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip something off to G-Sung here because um, Brandon, I was going to say Brendan because I just, I discipled Brendan. But Brandon had to suffer long with G-Sung. Always happens that way. Always happens that way. And for some people, it's longer than others. And for some, it's more suffering than others. I had to suffer long as I taught Brendan. That's the nature of discipleship. You have to be, our modern day term, patient with people, right? You can, boom, this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be. But God's at work in their life. And God's timing is what's important. And I'm telling you, I think we skip over this long-suffering part in ministry way too much. Like, like, like all the time. And... I'm willing to meet with Diego and share the gospel with him multiple times. I've been up here several times. I've made, I've adjusted my schedule specifically to give him an opportunity. And Lord willing, I will continue to suffer long so that he has an opportunity to accept Christ. Right? I want, I, I don't want to be in the way of that. And so it's, doctrine's important. Doctrine's real important. But the long suffering we can't skip. And then 2 Peter 3.9, which was just a few weeks ago, the Lord is not slack concerning his, pro concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but look at this, but is long-suffering to usward. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Remember, that was literally in the context of why is Christ not coming back? Because he's long-suffering. There's people out there that still need to get saved. And he's like... I Forgive me, Lord. I'm just, it's just kind of a representation. But God might be like, God the Father might be like, okay, go now. And Jesus is like, not yet. I'm waiting for that person to get saved. Not yet. Not till they get saved. And now it's, it, it doesn't play out that way, actually. But, but it's almost that concept. <clears throat> because he's literally long-suffering. He is waiting. It has got to be, um, uh, it's got to be, uh, I'm not even sure the, the term to attribute to God. I was going to say unnerving. I'm not sure what it... He's got to be excited about moving forward with the things and establishing his kingdom and getting us out of, out of our bodies and pulling the believers that have passed on out of the grave. Like that's going to be a big stinking deal. He's got to be excited about that. But his excitement is overcome with long suffering because he's patient right and it's an expression of his love it's literally an expression of his love all right so this last point last few minutes that we had left hard things and you can kind of see how this feels a little choppy right it's this three-legged stool of of uh, peace uh, without spot and blameless then it was this kind of second concept, which seems a little disjointed about long suffering. And then it's this third concept of hard things. So at the back in verse 16, um, and also in all his epistles, speaking of the, uh, speaking in them of these things in which they are, some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. 
there's a lot of things that are hard to be understood, okay? So what I did is this is, this is a, a, a Greek word uh, study, this little mini, this, this slide, and it's about these concepts that have to be understood. And I didn't, I failed to put the, the Greek word, you can certainly look it up. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, that the word that this um, hard, hard things to be understood, that is one word. Uh, one Greek word, which is like, you know, it, it maybe an English equivalent would be like the incomprehensible or something like that, right? Things that are difficult to understand, but not incomprehensible would imply you can't understand it. This is just hard to understand. So look at some of the things that we see that Jesus specifically talks about being hard to understand. Do ye not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft? I mean, literally, Jesus is talking about basic uh, physiological function, digestive function. And he's like, don't you, under, don't you get that? But for, for them, I mean, I'm sure they had some knowledge of it, but they didn't understand how it worked, how they took in fish and out came dung, right? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? I don't remember the specific context here, what he's trying to teach, but the, you know, the concept of miracles and faith, do you not understand? I'm, I'm Christ, I can do this. Matthew 16, 11, how is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? Like, I'm, I'm telling you, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees, and you're like, we don't have any bread? Like, how... I mean, some of these don't appear to be that hard to understand, to be honest. Um, hindsight, right? Um, Mark uh, 17, 8, or 7, 18, And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from within, or from without, entereth into the man, it cannot, it cannot defile him? Mark 8, 17, And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye not, uh, have ye your heart yet hardened? So again, Jesus is addressing these concepts that the disciples were having a hard time picturing, understanding, connecting. We have the history of hindsight and the Holy Spirit. Uh, John twelve forty, and he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. This, look, do not get prideful because a mystery has been shown to the church. Blindness in part has come to the nation of Israel. They literally don't see it. They can't see it unless the Holy Spirit does an amazing work in their life. They just don't get it. I know before I was saved, I believe Jesus died for my sin or died for me. But I didn't know what that meant. Like, why did a dude have to die for me? But I, I thought it, but I didn't understand that he was literally paying for my sins until one day I understood it, right? So I do want, in the time left, I want you to turn to um, John 6. John 6. And I want to touch just a little bit on what what uh, I shared with Tom in the men's Bible study on Friday night, and I, Michelle and I talked uh, after our Bible study, uh, you know, around the the um, the study of of Peter, 
and how I felt like the thing I learned about his his character was how much the word was important to him that I would have put Peter more as an experience guy right he didn't get a chance to write a gospel he didn't you know his the amount of scripture that he contributes is relatively small uh, so it was like less about the words but I was really kind of impressed and surprised at how much he talked about the words of God even this epistle concept that that we've already touched on and in in John 6 starting in in verse um 60 uh, it says many therefore of the disciples when they had heard this when he was talking about eating of him eating his uh, flesh and drinking his blood like in verse 56 he repeated it a couple of times when they had heard this and said this is a hard saying who can hear it like I don't even understand this and when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it and he said unto them does this offend you does this offend you like literally this is a hard thing to understand jump down to verse 66 from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him why because they couldn't comprehend how the depth of his statement it seemed weird I can't be on board with a guy who wants me to eat his flesh and drink his blood like that's not what I'm after like I'm not there I'm out of here but look at this and then Jesus uh, then said Jesus unto the twelve will ye also go away and then Simon Peter Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life Again, kind of the, the part that I looked at from my uh, character study. Thou hast the words of eternal life. At the end of this, at the end of this, it's a matter of trust. Peter doesn't say, I understand what you're saying. He doesn't say to, to, to Christ, I understand. I get it. You're talking in type. You're talking about a spiritual uh, event. You're talking about uh, you, you know the fact that you're going to give your life and sacrifice, and I have to apply the blood. I, I get that that we'll have the Lord's Supper, and that I will they'll do that. Like Peter doesn't say any of that. What he says is, "Where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Like I've got to trust you to learn through it. <laughs> like that's an important concept." And that literally is the difference between the disciples that leave and the disciples that stay. Is that they are willing to say, I don't understand that today. I'm trusting that you will teach me. I'm trusting that you'll explain it to me. I'm trusting that you'll show it to me. Because honestly, and again, I don't have the time to like measure these words. So I'm a little bit fearful of how I say it. I think I probably would have left. I'm, I'm just going to be. I'm just going to be honest. Maybe not at this point, but some of the time Jesus, when he was talking to people, he was just like really blunt. Like really, Do you, you don't get this. Like you've been with me and you don't understand that I was talking about the leaven of the of the Pharisees and you think it's about bread. I'd be like, I'm not sure I'm ready to follow a guy that talks like that. Without. <laughs> all the love, without all the patience, without all the long-suffering, which he clearly has done in my life, right? My point is, the disciple that wants to follow Christ, by simply trusting, you're going to show me, you're going to teach me, I trust you inherently, and from that, I will then gauge what's going on. That is a big deal. 
That is a big deal. So here, Revelation, again, I'd like to close with a verse. Revelation 4, 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. So we're talking about Peter writing this letter in the context of the coming in times and how these things are important and help you survive, literally, spiritually survive the end times. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Like literally, that's what's going to get you through this is just having faith and understanding his word. That is the patience. That's what will get you to the time of the rapture or get you through. And I realize I just pulled this out because it's, it's devotional. There's more going on in there doctrinally. But, but just as a summary point, it's clearly a matter of faith and trust. In patience without spot and blameless, long-suffering, and ultimately hard things, the understanding and perceiving. There's a lot going on. And again, Dobson, because I'm a man of flesh and I don't have the spiritual eyes that Jesus has, uh, and I'm thankful that, that, that I don't have to play that role because I would fail you all miserably, I wouldn't have put these three concepts together. I just wouldn't have soft-set them by a paragraph, by paragraph markers. I, they are distinct and different, but I think they're complementary, and I think they'll help you as we navigate what I believe to be the end times. Let's pray.